Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 234 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are attempting a real difficult feat, and we are trying to simplify the postpartum period, if that is at all possible. Life immediately following birth is marked for a new mom by a rapidly changing body, emotional upheaval, raging hormones, severe lack of sleep, and oh yeah, a baby to care for and bond with. Research says that mothers can benefit greatly from support in those early weeks as a new mom. In fact, such research finds that cultures with low incidences of postpartum mood disorders all provided support and care for new mothers. So on today's show, we're discussing how new parents can manage expectations versus reality in a culture that by and large does not support new mothers. We're also discussing how those of us who aren't expecting a baby anytime soon can support those in our lives who are. Today, I'm speaking with Gigi Vera Vincent. Gigi is a postpartum doula, and she is here to offer her professional insight. Before we get into our conversation today, a quick word from our first sponsor. And we are back. Gigi, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Why don't we start where I start all my shows, which is having my guests introduce themselves. Who are you? What do you do? How did you find yourself not just interested in, but passionate about helping women in the postpartum weeks and months? I'm Gigi, the founder of A Simple Home. I live in Southern California with my husband and our three children. I'm a postpartum doula and a newborn care specialist. I describe that as a really educated best friend who comes to support you and take care of you and show you how to take care of your baby. I educate about things like feeding, sleeping, hygiene, and I focus on taking care of the birth parent to make sure that they really rest and recover and they have the time to bond with their baby. I got into the field because postpartum is really hard. And even though I've had all of the books, bought all of the products, done all of the things, it's still really hard. And I wanted to find a way to empower people to feel confident in becoming a parent. Hmm. You mentioned a lot of things there that I want to touch on. But the first was the fact that you view your job as supporting the mom. I think a lot of times in this transitional fourth trimester, people are trying to help with the baby tasks, hold the baby, watch the baby, change the baby, put the baby to sleep. But nobody's really, or at least in my experience, there was a very little attention to me and my needs. So I want to talk about that in a little bit. But I have to ask you, you have three children. How were your postpartum experiences? Did you receive the support you feel you needed? So I had a wildly different postpartum experiences. My first postpartum experience was so supported. I had all of the friends, all of the family come to take care of me. And my um, second postpartum experience with my twins was the exact opposite. They were born March of 2020. And so I was really alone in that postpartum experience. We didn't have anybody that could come over. So I know personally and professionally the effect of 
having a support system and how that can make your postpartum a beautiful experience or a very difficult one. What's one thing that you wish new mothers knew about the postpartum period? The postpartum experience and the postpartum period, you referred to the fourth trimester, is really taxing. It's physically, emotionally, hormonally taxing, growing a baby, birthing a baby, and then keeping that baby alive. So remind yourself that it's hard and you need a support system in order to make that easier and to go easy on yourself in those early days. Yes, I agree with all of that. And I just I just feel like I need to say to any mother listening that you're mentioning that it can be really hard. It can be um, a real time of transition. There can be emotional upheaval in addition to the physical <laughs> upheaval <laughs> in addition to the lack of sleep. But it doesn't have to be. Like It can be a beautiful time. It can be a time of bonding and rest and bliss. And I guess I'm saying all this to say that no matter where the moms listening on the spectrum fall, it's all normal. <laughs> all the emotions are normal. Energy is finite, especially in the fourth trimester. So where, in your opinion, do you think new moms should be focusing on? Where should that energy be going? What's number one? The most important thing is to manage your expectations and to remind yourself that you don't know what your postpartum is going to look like. So let that image of the immediate bonding, the easy nursing, the perfect baby that sleeps through the night, let that go. If you eat and you shower and you sleep and you keep your baby alive, that should be a win for a day. So respecting the early days, you mentioned earlier the cultures that provide that time to rest and bond. We should be focusing on resting and bonding with our baby. A lot of other cultures that honor the first 40 days, the golden month, the quarantine, uh, which is not a, a great name to use now, but it goes by so many names. But it's this idea that the parents need to be taken care of so that they can take care of their baby. If you are getting up and working or working out or running errands, you aren't, like you said, the energy is finite. You have to focus that energy on resting and healing. No matter how your baby is born, that takes time and that takes energy. So letting go of this idea that postpartum is something we should bounce back from. It's not. <laughs> you can't bounce back. You need to let yourself heal and really recover. So letting go of how society especially, you know, American society, social media, our family, how it tells us that that should look. So I agree with a lot of what you said there, but I go back to my experience as a type A person who holds myself up to incredibly high standards. I had trouble letting myself off the hook as a new mom when things didn't go my way. I had, I really wanted to breastfeed. I really wanted to nurse. And it was very challenging. That weighed on me. That affected my confidence and my self-esteem in those new days. I remember people always said to me, as the fatigue wore on, 
just sleep when the baby sleeps. And I always rolled my eyes like, yeah, right. If I sleep when the baby sleeps, when is the carpet's going to get vacuumed? Can you speak to that at all? Like, I know there's no magic wand and we can make type A people type B people. But for people like me who have trouble with those high expectations, is there any magic pill that you can offer? I completely know that feeling because I experienced it. I remember just the same as you with breastfeeding, where I thought, this is supposed to be easy. This is supposed to be this beautiful thing that if I want it, it's going to happen. And it was really hard. First, I think um, screening the information that you're getting. So if the accounts that you're following or the books that you're reading are painting this beautiful, perfect view of postpartum where it looks like, you know, your baby is born and you immediately bond. Those things that don't really happen, don't follow those accounts. Um, If there are people around you, maybe like a lactation consultant or a friend that are telling you your postpartum should look like that, don't listen to those people. Listen to your instincts. And Give yourself that time. Remind yourself that you will learn your baby. And it's not supposed to happen right away. You're learning. Your baby is learning. And I think the most important is to remind yourself that you are the best person for your baby. You are going to know your baby best. And that's not something that happens within a day or two. Things like feeding, sleep, just learning who your baby is. Those things take time. So give yourself that time. And maybe if you're worried about the carpets being cleaned, find a way to hire somebody else to do it. So you are not giving birth and then cleaning the carpets. (laughs) After a quick break, we are going to talk about how exactly we can support the new mothers in our lives, but we're also going to talk about how, if you're a new mother, what you should be asking for in terms of support. We're going to get into all of that after a quick word from today's second sponsor. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. 
You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. And we are back with Gigi Vera Vincent. We are talking all things postpartum. Gigi, I want to talk to you about the support that new mothers need. Now, I alluded to research earlier, and I must say that among all the different types of support that new moms could ask for, could receive... There are a few that seem to give a lot of bang for their buck. The first one we alluded to before with the cleaning of the carpets, that would be a functional assistant. So doing something to help with the household. Maybe you're vacuuming, maybe you're cooking, maybe you're helping with childcare for the older kids. I think you do a lot of that in your line of work. Is that correct? Yes, I am there to support in all of the ways, but mostly... Um, to keep parents resting as much as possible. I don't want them to get up and host or try to take care of anything else except themselves and their new baby, which is what all visitors should be doing. Well, so perfect transition. We're right on the same wavelength because the second way that we can support new mothers is to mandate rest periods. So mandated rest, not mandated entertaining so that everybody can ogle over the new baby, right? Mandated rest. And then finally, giving personal attention to the mother. We alluded to this earlier. Um, I felt as a new mom that I was forgotten in a lot of ways. I was just the vessel to hold this beautiful new baby. And in a lot of ways, too, I would say I still feel that way. Nobody ever asks about me anymore, my personal life, my professional life. Whenever anybody sees me, they only ask about the kids. But that's another topic for another day. So let's talk about mandated rest, first and foremost. How can a new mother get out of entertaining all the people who want to see the new baby? I love that question. For new moms, I think the biggest thing is to screen the people who are coming in. To look at if you are having guests, have a designated person to message those people to say, if you are coming over, here's the time that you can come. Here is the amount of time you can stay. And asking for visitors to help you. I know the idea of that, especially if you have anxiety, can feel really overwhelming or impossible. So to maybe do that through a text or an email beforehand, or creating a sign that you put outside of your door that says, please only stay for 30 minutes at most. And if you are going to stay um, things that a lot of people don't 
really remember if they haven't had children in a long time, maybe not to kiss their baby, not to, you know, touch their baby's face. And if you are going to stay longer, take care of the parents. I ask if I'm at a client's house or even if people are coming to visit me, I say, okay, if you're going to stay, can you help by fill in the blank? And that can be, can you hold the baby while I take a shower? Can you heat up some food for us? Can you make us a cup of tea? If you have older siblings, older children, can they take those children on a walk? Can they take them to the zoo for the day? If you don't have people who are coming and immediately jumping into that role, set those boundaries. And then if those people are visitors, they are not helpers, don't ask them back until you are feeling more prepared. Don't invite people over that make you feel that you have to host. Yeah. I love to host, but hosting is the last thing that I want to do when I have a new baby at home. (laughs) I mean, that's just adding stress onto stress. And I think it really connects to the unrealistic expectations that we have of parents that we should be hosting things like a sip and see where you have a newborn baby, but you're going to show them off and get dressed for that. We shouldn't be expecting things like that. The first few months should really be rest as much as they can be. You work with a lot of new mothers. Where do you see support going the furthest in your role as a postpartum doula? Is it the house cleaning or the meal making or the baby holding? I think it's a little bit of everything. So For medical support, which is something you might not have even considered or heard of, but on top of a doctor or a midwife or a doula, having things like a lactation consultant or a lactation support group. So those days that you're struggling with feeding, you can have people remind you or help you support you so that you aren't struggling Another thing could be a pelvic floor therapist. We accept so much about healing to say, you know, jokes like, oh, well, you know, you might pee after you have a baby, but those things aren't normal. So seeking out physical support. And then at home, food, you mentioned, is a big one. Having a meal train where you send it to everybody you can think of, friends, neighbors, family, your co-workers to ask them to drop off a meal. That can make such a big difference to not have to go to the grocery store, not have to cook. The last type, type of support I think really is emotional support. Having that village that reminds you that having a baby is hard and you're going to figure it out. Yes, that last part is really speaking to remembering that the mother is still (laughs) a human being with an identity beyond motherhood, supporting her, talking to her, letting her have a good cry or a good laugh if that's what she needs. And you also mentioned there lining up your support services. I would just back that up wholeheartedly. I had alluded before to my struggles nursing And we figured it out, but it was a long and arduous process. And if I had had a lactation consultant on the ready before I gave birth, I could have staved off an awful lot of stress, heartache, anger, 
frustration, all you name it. So that's a really good point. If for any parent listening who knows they want to breastfeed, it might go really easy and be a wonderful, easy, natural experience, but it might not be. So look into those lactation consultants ahead of time. Yes, there are so many things that I recommend clients just write down before they have their baby, like a lactation consultant, a pelvic floor therapist, a mommy and me or like parent and me support group, and um, also a therapist. This might not be something that you feel comfortable with, but I highly recommend finding a regular therapist or even a birth trauma therapist, which most people haven't even heard of, but birth trauma can really impact your healing and make you more likely to suffer from a postpartum mood disorder. So having all of those numbers written down just in case can make it feel a lot more accessible. You don't want to be researching, you know, Googling lactation consultant at 2 a.m. when you're struggling. (laughs) I love that advice. That's so helpful. Now, my next question has to be for the mothers who are nervous or unable or feel strange about asking for help. How do you suggest they best ask for help and who should they ask first? I love that. So first, start with your partner, your support person, if you have one, and decide, you know, what are your strengths? Who feels most comfortable asking for help? Hopefully, one of you feels comfortable. Then start with your immediate circle, your family, your friends, um, and then kind of go out from there. Coworkers, neighbors, people that you might not be as close with, but really speaking with people beforehand so that you know what you are expecting from them and they know. You don't want to come home and be expecting that your parents or your in-laws will come over, you know, once a day to check on you and they didn't know that. So if it is terrifying, start with text messages or emails and also having, I am a big Google Drive lover. I think we should have Google Drives for everything, like a Google Sheet um, for who is going to bring food on what day, who is going to come by and check on the parent and the baby And having those conversations of, like, I'm going to need help. Can you be the person? I think for mental health, having a support person who checks in on you regularly. I suggest if you are expecting or if you know someone who just had a baby, check in on them. Ask them how they're doing and have a plan in place if you're concerned, like a therapist or a support group somebody that you can reach out to if you are concerned. Well, Gigi, I have two questions left for you. The first one is one we've really already talked about. You've already given so many great tips for new moms. But I just have to ask you, do you have any more? And I should say, you know, we've been talking a lot about planning, getting prepared. We can plan and prepare the best we can, but perhaps because of the transitional nature of this period, No amount of preparation will prepare us. But that said, do you have any final thoughts? (laughs) Yes, I would say first, take that time to become educated. So learn about 
birth and making your birth preferences and plans for things like labor, immediate newborn care, um, postpartum healing, nursing, how babies behave, because knowing what to expect, even a little bit, managing your expectations makes that transition a little smoother. You can't prepare for everything, but for instance, knowing that nursing your baby might not go how you planned, knowing that your baby will have to eat every two to three hours around the clock, knowing that your body will heal in ways that you definitely were not told by your friends and family. So learning those things beforehand makes it a lot easier. And then having conversations. Um, I'm always going back to talking about this because if you manage your expectations and you talk to your support person or your partner about things like money, division of labor, which is something we don't talk about enough. So who within your partnership is going to be washing bottles. Talk about those things beforehand. Talk to your care provider, if that's a doctor, a midwife, about making sure that they're listening to your needs and your wants. Talk to your job about your leave, if you're going to take that, and when or if you're going to return. And then lastly, make all those plans for things like birth and postpartum. I really recommend for couples the fair play cards. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're amazing by Eve Rodsky. And no matter where you are in your relationship, whether you're, you know, just getting started or, you know, you're, you've been married for a really long time, uh, I think that they create these important conversations and they get you thinking about things you have to do with children that you didn't even know you were going to have to prepare for. And the last plan I always suggest people make is their mental health plan. One in three birth parents are going to suffer from postpartum anxiety, even more from postpartum depression. So creating the plans for what you will do if you are that one in three, so you're prepared and you don't have to suffer when it's so easily treated. Well, thank you for mentioning postpartum depression there. I can't end this conversation without asking about postpartum depressions, warning signs versus baby blues versus some other postpartum mood disorder. Research finds that in cultures in which there is support for new mothers, baby blues and postpartum depression rates are quite low, if not non-existent. But in industrialized nations such as ours, baby blues are between 50 and 85% of new mothers and Postpartum depression is between 15 to 25% or more of new mothers. So that's a long way of asking you, what should we be looking for as warning signs of postpartum depression, some other postpartum mood disorder? Yes. So expecting the baby blues, you said that's 50 to 85% of parents. And that is because your estrogen and your progesterone right after giving birth, they drop so rapidly and your body is recovering from that. You might feel wild mood swings like happiness and sadness immediately after laughing and then you're crying. So that can feel a week or two of your body recovering from birth. Afterward, for postpartum depression, things that can occur and things that you might feel are sad, hopeless, 
overwhelmed, not feeling any bond or connection with your baby. And um, I think we all kind of have this uh, fear of intrusive thoughts and self-harm. That's what we associate with postpartum depression. But also being aware of the signs of postpartum anxiety, which affects a lot of parents, uh, not just birth parents, but surrogate parents, adoptive parents, support parents, everybody can be diagnosed with postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. But that is racing thoughts, guilt that you are not good enough, feeling that your baby might be better off if you just weren't there. And anger, really irritable, snapping at things that you wouldn't have even thought twice about before, and becoming very focused, hyper-focused and fearful for your baby. So you're checking on them a lot. You are very worried and obsessive about their sleep or their feeding or their health. So what... I want to say again is that this is really easily treated. So with therapy, with medication, postpartum mood disorders can be treated, but you have to recognize the signs and get help, which can be hard during this really difficult transition to even recognize it, especially if you've never done it before. You don't know how to recognize it. I always suggest that you have somebody be designated to check on you. Have somebody who texts you, calls you, checks in on you in person as much as possible and have a plan, a doctor, a support group written down. But really remembering that this is treatable and that we can accept help and we deserve help no matter where we are on this spectrum. Hmm. I remember... In those first days, first weeks, I didn't know what was baby blues, what was depression, what was just being completely overtired from not sleeping, uh, you know. So I, I say that to say to anybody, um, it's, a again, a period of transition. It's better to ask for support if you don't need it than need it and not ask for it. Gigi, where can my listeners learn more about you and your services? So online, my website is asimplehome.org, and I am on Instagram, Pinterest, all the things at a underscore simple underscore home. Well, Gigi, you offered a wealth of information today, and I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your expertise, and thank you for helping mothers. So thank you so much. <laughs> yes, I'm so happy that I got to chat with you and inform your audience. And that's a wrap, listeners. I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Gigi Vera Vincent. I have linked to her website in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 234. Now, we do have an eco tip this week, and it comes from Lore. It is about the wedding dress that you, if you're like me, may have sitting in your closet. I should just say right off the bat, <laughs> I got married going on 11 years ago. I wore my wedding dress one time. I had it dry cleaned. It's in the fancy, I don't know, preservation plastic, I guess it is, plastic in a box. So it's all preserved. I have never taken the wedding dress out of this preservation method in going on 11 years. It's sitting in my closet just 
doing nothing, collecting dust. So if you're like me, Laura says you can contact the drama department at your local middle school or high school, and they may take it. They took Laura's 35-year-old wedding gown, and with a few stitches and with some dye, they were able to create something totally new for their drama department. So that's a great idea if you have an old wedding dress. Newer wedding dress, five years and younger can often go and be reused by brides and charities. But if you have an older dress like me and like Laura, perhaps you consider donating it to a drama department. So thank you so much, Laura. Great idea. Listeners, I will see you on Thursday. Reach out if you need me and take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.